Hopefully you guys had a great Christmas. Christmas should be a good time, uh, but sometimes uh, it can be tough on people because different things occur. And boy, you know, a lot of people have talked about what we've had this year, but I know this, regardless what has come this year uh, or next year or the year after, we can have good years, uh, even though, uh, you know, different things from the outside may uh, put pressure on us. You with me? We as Christians are not subject to the external whether we walk in joy or not. That's a fact. I mean, the early church, man, they had joy because everything externally was going good, you know? Like when Stephen got stoned to death and then all the disciples had to scatter, you know? You know, all that easy stuff that was going on, you know, your pastors and leaders are getting thrown in jail for preaching. And they had joy. They had victory. I mean, you know, talk about making bail. An angel comes and lets them out and says, go back and keep doing what you were doing. Well, it's good, you know, because sometimes people read scriptures and get things this is not a word I use, but I'm going to use it. I don't. I almost count this word as a cuss word. They had things, people get things screwed up in their mind. That's a word I don't use, but I think some people know what I'm talking about. When they think, oh, you know, that scripture says, you know, we're just to, uh, you know, honor and give uh, submission to those who are over us as an authority. But it's interesting that we have quoted one scripture in the New Testament and have avoided or not focused on the, what they did as they lived their life. How often did the Lord spring them from prison and say, go keep preaching and doing the same thing you did? Should we obey the laws of the land? Absolutely. Until they cross the line and they supersede the highest law, which is the law of God. Well, Lord, we don't want to share the gospel with people because we could get in trouble and do things like that. We don't want to get in trouble. Oh, God totally understands. No, people's lives are at stake for eternity. He doesn't understand in those terms. Everybody okay? And so we should recognize why does authority try to suppress some of suppression, the ultimate goal is to stop the gospel. When people don't realize, you know, people talk about socialism and socialism is good. There's deception in that a mile deep. Whether you know it or not, go look at all places that are socialist and you'll notice something that comes after socialism. It's the suppression of freedom of speech which then comes down to no more preaching the gospel. Look at it. Look at it. I know a minister who went to be with the Lord in 96, during Nazis, before the Nazis took over, they were starting to gain ground. They were sending their agents into churches. And when he traveled through Europe and into those regions where Germany had its influence, before the war ever broke off, broke out, the Gestapo and those agents were already in services watching what was being preached. And then those things all got closed down. Same thing happened in the Soviet Union. There was, you know, certain things that were allowed 
and then there's just a full suppression of the gospel being preached. You can tell that's a wicked spirit. That's a wicked spirit. Those are spirits trying to influence people to suppress the truth because the enemy hates souls and hates God because he got the boot for trying to take over and so he's here and he would like to influence people and if we think everything that's happening is totally natural, we'll be deceived. Now, we shouldn't be spooky about it either. You know, like there's a demon behind every bush. You know, like one minister said, you think there's a demon behind every bush? He said, no, there's seven. <laughs> you know, because people can get different ideas, but it doesn't do away with the fact that, uh, that the enemy is real. And many times we're looking for spooky stuff and it's not the spooky stuff always that the enemy's doing. It doesn't look like, whoa, but it, there is influences. You with me? And people are influenced. And, and we have rights and privileges as believers, uh, you know, like Peter or Timothy. There's a book in the Bible where it tells us that we are to pray for kings, which that, they were not necessarily Christians, kings, and all those who are in authority, well, Lord, just bless them. Just bless them. No, he said, pray for them that you might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. For God wills that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Well, if... If we're to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and all God lifestyle, but in that God lifestyle I can no longer preach, am I living a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness? No. No. Because then the next part can't come to pass where people are being saved because I'm not able to preach because there's through this government bad happening. So the interesting thing is that prayer must be applied in order to have change in society. You with me? And if we fail at prayer, we fail at our freedom. Notice God left it up to us. He didn't say, well, you know, and this is the danger with teaching end time stuff. Well, you know, it's going to get bad in the last days. So the minute we see stuff bad, we just go, surrender. No we still have a right to pray for a quiet and a peaceable life. But what does that mean? So we can just do what we want? No, it's so we can be about kingdom business and live in God's divine peace and in God's divine order. So believers have authority if they will exercise it in prayer. And it's not, prayer is not always saying, God, do this. Some of it is when you're praying, you say, uh, God, you're with me. Satan, you take your hands off of this in Jesus' name. Go read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Read the book of Acts. Read the New Testament. Read your Bible. <laughs> right? You, you, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down. And uh, they stood, and they stood in the fire. And then opinions changed because they didn't submit. 
And I'm not trying to teach some kind of rebellion, but I am saying we should know that we do have authority as believers. We should be exercising it through prayer. You with me? Our society has gotten so caught up in hobbies, and rightfully so, God gives us richly all things to enjoy, but we got to use self-control. Or they become a distraction and they choke the word, then I'm too busy to pray because I'm working on all my hobbies and I'm too busy to spend time reading the Bible and fellowshipping with God and doing things in the kingdom. And then therefore, I fail at my spiritual duties of order. All of us have a part to play in the order. I'm talking believers of how things happen. And if I fail in that, and we fail in that, and the corporate church fails at that, then we'll fail at our freedom. And our freedom will suffer. And we can't blame who's in office or who's not in office. You with me? Because we have rights and privileges just by that Scripture alone. And we are talking about authority again. Number four, being authorized. We have authority. It's plain. If he said pray so these things would happen, then it tells us if we don't, they won't. You with me? And then, if we do, we can have these. But isn't it interesting how that you see that some people have gotten so busy, some, not all, that they don't pray and do these things and if people don't guard their posts and stay at their positions, then enemies can come in. And then the freedom that we enjoy, we could lose. So we need to know we have authority and it's not too late to be somebody who steps into place and uses their authority and recognizes that it's not up to God. Ultimately. Now, without God and without His instruction, without His authority being given, we couldn't pray and, 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 and know confidently that we could change things. Because He tells us, you pray, then it will cause a peaceable life, godliness. People can come to the knowledge, get saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, coming to the knowledge of the truth after you're saved means you're just able to be taught and freely fed in the Word of God. You don't have to be just totally underground. You with me? Peaceable. Hey, we can meet and this can happen. You lose that freedom, you got to go underground. It's harder to teach people to come to the knowledge of the truth in those settings. But if they start getting taught, they can rise up and have freedom too. It is available, but it's not in God's hands. The earth was given to man. God in the beginning set His order and said, dress it, keep it, subdue, have dominion. When the enemy came, they already had the instructions what to do. And they yielded and gave way and did not resist. Jesus is called the last or the second Adam. The first one failed. The next one comes, gets tempted. The enemy tries to invade his life. He never said, God, help me. 
He already knew he had authority. The same authority Adam and Eve had that they should have used, he used. And the Bible said he gave us an example how we ought to live. You okay? Peter wrote that. And Peter traveled with Jesus. And if he gave us an example how to do things, then we ought to look at his example. Notice he didn't say, Adam gave us an example how to do things. No. He, he didn't, nowhere in the Bible to say, Adam gave you an example how you ought to do it. As a matter of fact, one of the writers in the New Testament that was inspired by God to put Scripture in there said, be careful, just like Eve Listen to the subtleties of the enemy that you should be tricked the same way. Notice he didn't say, she's a great example, he's a great example. He said, no. The Bible said, don't listen to your wife. No, I made that up. Just kidding. Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. And they picked up rocks to stone him. No. Um, no, it doesn't say that. But really, we both... Man, woman, husband, wife, whatever it is, need to be aware not to pay attention to not the overt things of the enemy, but the subtle things. It can be subtle. You don't need to pray. you got this fun thing you ought to do. No, it's okay to do fun things, but let's keep things in proportion and in right moderation so that we keep the right thing in the right place because we could listen to his subtleties and he takes advantage. Right? And all the time we had authority. So Luke the 10th chapter, we're talking about being authorized. And we said this last time uh, that we taught on this before our Christmas message. We said this, and we went through scripture after scripture that talks about the devil and evil things are technically already afraid of believers in the Spirit. Now that's not how a lot of times we're taught. We're, we're taught when you approach the enemy, oh, it's the enemy. But the Bible teaches, and we looked at this, and we went through various scriptures, how the enemy and evil is actually already afraid of you as believers. Demons live in a state of trembling. The Bible even said this, they go about as a roaring lion. didn't say they are a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. I mean, they got to make it up. They already know they've been stripped of their power, the Bible said in Colossians. And so they have to use deception and roar. If people knew that when fear came at them, and because fear is a real commodity, and it can be real pressure. And unless you've really dealt with some of that stuff that comes against the mind, or comes when somebody's sick and will just pressure them, you're going to die, or you're going to be messed up forever. There's real flavor on his words. Just like God has a presence, so does the enemy. And his is peace and comfort, and it's greater than all. And it can guard your heart and mind, but there are times that fear will try to come, and you're just going to have to stand your ground and know that will leave you. You don't have to fear. Fear. 
And why do they offer fear? Because it's what they got to give. They can't offer peace because they don't got it. God offers peace because He has it. God offers joy because He's got it. God offers health because He's got it. God offers authority because He's got it. God offers these things because He's got them. So if you need comfort, you get it from God. You don't get it absent from God. So when the enemy comes, he only comes with what he's got. So if you're going down a path and it's getting more discomforting, you need to know, this is not God. He doesn't have discomfort. Everybody knows. Even people who don't believe in Jesus, if they believe in heaven, they think that's a good place of comfort. Why would you think that? Because that's all you think God has. Even people with twisted ideas and think that God's some kind of weird something recognize that God's got comfort and good things. Now here on the earth, He may do something weird, light your house on fire, you know, because people think like that, like God's doing that. They don't think about the devil. I mean, if God said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you, Jesus said that, expressing God's will, and then when someone's house burns down, because in one of these California fires, nobody would be that stupid in Arizona, said, well, you know, God, we didn't know what He was doing. I'm from California. So, I don't know what God was doing in, in our house burning down. I thought, God didn't have nothing to do with burning down your house. He didn't say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Come look at this. Whoa, in heaven, that's awesome. He's all, watch this. And burn it down and say, that's pretty funny, huh? And you're like, no. Because he's not like that. But when you get a twisted idea, bad things happened in the Old Testament because they broke law, spiritual laws. And it wasn't God doing it. They're just gravity takes place. In the New Testament, when you see Jesus, He went about doing good. Not burning down the house. But people's ideas can get weird. And so, we talked about how the enemy and fear is something of Him, and He actually functions in it. So when you approach things in life and fear comes, you should resist that. And know it's real and know it has to go from you as a believer. <clears throat> Let's turn to Luke 10 and get into my notes. Luke 10, talking about authority, because there is something we need to do. One reason why we teach people and one reason why people should hear is people need to not just hear to gain knowledge. People need a new mindset. Not memorize scriptures. Memorizing scriptures may have its place, but if I just memorize scripture and quote scripture, but I don't change the very way I process, my mind's not being renewed. My life will not be transformed. I can memorize a scripture and my life not be transformed. You with me? But I want my life to be transformed. I want your life to be transformed. More than I want it, more than you want it, God wants it. And so, Luke 10, 19, we're going to talk about authority. But one thing about authority we need to realize is this. If we're going to walk in authority, you have to have a mentality of authority. A real 
mentality where you think this way, not just like, oh, I'm trying to think that way. Oh, I'm trying. Not that at all. Where through a process, you train yourself and you set your mind on certain things. That's why the danger of so much distraction is my mind's on everything but what it should be on. And you have to be purposeful if you want your mind renewed. You have to be intentional if you want your mind renewed. And you can't be intentional once a week and make it work. Well, that went over real good. It would be nice to say, we're going to have a prayer line right here. I'm going to pray for you and everybody's mind is going to be renewed. And then when you get done, you just get out there and do what you want to do. I'd be the first one in line. Well, praise the Lord. Who's going to pray? Because it don't work like that. You with me? What was that cartoon when we were little? Mr. Wizard? Remember that guy? He always daydreamed and he had these weird dreams and he'd go on these adventures and he would sit and he'd get in trouble and he'd call out, Mr. Wizard, Mr. Wizard, help! And uh, he'd say, Trissel, Trassel, Trissel D, it's time for you to come home, little boy. Some Christians are like there. They're out there in la-la land thinking, whatever, they could just fix this and just pray a prayer. And No, come home, little boy. There's a real life to live. you got to renew your mind and do stuff on purpose. If you get a virus on your computer, you don't just go, well, it'll take care of itself. Is that what you think? Some of you are out there because you're part of that cult. The apple bunch. We don't get viruses. Oh, they're out there for you. We'll just believe. No, I mean, but, uh, you know, there are viruses on normal computers, and they do come, and you have to deal with them. And some viruses you need to go get help with. That's why you need to be in church and be taught by a pastor or a teacher because there are some things in your study they can, they've already been there. Or God can inspire them to go there. And then it can undo things like that word about someone's emotions. We're going to get to this verse. Somebody's like, I've already read it four times. No, pay attention to me. I don't say that to be selfish, but you need to hear what's being said. We'll get there in a minute. Because we have to, because you see how many notes I got to get through. No, I'm kidding. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, this is Jesus, I give you authority. I give you authority, or I've authorized you. Now, now, understand this. Some people would tell you, yeah, this is only for the 12. No, technically, this was actually the other 70, and the same thing that was written to them is spoken of in Mark 16 to all believers. He said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy... Notice that phrase, trample over all the power of the enemy. 
Now, I believe this. We do have some reach where the Bible gives us reach. But if, if you call me on the phone, I remember uh, some people in India after I had taught in the Bible, a Bible school over there for a, a, a little bit, they said, oh, you know, out on the property you went, there was a, a cobra out there, a big cobra. Well, I was over here now, and I, if I was there, I'd have been like, I want, I want to go see it, and then I'll take care of it for you. Because I've taken care of a snake. If I had to, I would. This is recorded. Uh, if I necessary in another country. Um, but I couldn't from here. I can only trample on where it's near me. You can't just go drive stuff out everywhere. Jesus didn't cast every demon out of Israel. But when he got close and came in proximity, he was able to deal with things. And then he can't, you can't go cast the devil out of everybody because some people like the devil. And if you're not sure about that, you need to read Scripture. What do you mean uh, people like the devil? You remember the Bible said people like darkness rather than the light? What is he talking about? People like to like when the light's off more than they like when the light's on? No, it says they loved evil more than righteousness. Those are works that are motivated by wrong. But where you have your domain, you have certain rights. And he gave us for our domain to reach through prayer over certain things like politics or governments and rulers and things like that. But you can't just say, okay, every devil has to leave the United States of America. Jesus would have done that. Even when he cast the devil out and the legion out of that guy, he didn't say, you have to go in the pit. If anybody could have sent them to the pit, it would have been Jesus. Where do we get some of this stuff? What did he say? They said, well, if we can't be in a man, let's get in an animal. That should tell us something. That the enemy needs an avenue to express himself. And Jesus didn't say, no, you've got to go into the pit. He said, no, you can go into that animal. And then pigs have more sense than some humans. They didn't want the devil, and it tells you something. If somebody's trying to kill themselves, why'd those pigs try to kill themselves? Once they got the devil, they tried to kill themselves. I'm not saying people have a devil if they try to kill themselves, but I could tell you where that voice comes from. God's not wanting people to be destroyed. He doesn't want people to feel helpless and hopeless. It's not him promoting stuff like that. That's the enemy. He's the one who has no hope. He's the one who tries to put the light out. He's the one who had said it is enough is enough. Not God. He said, I came that you might have life more abundantly. But notice this in the 19th verse, trample on serpents and scorpions. So trample means you have to be able to put your foot on it. You have a right to. And over all the power of the enemy, so he's authorized us, over all his works, some people think his works are just one thing. We know they're vast. 
Ought not this woman, Jesus said, that Satan is bound, be loosed from her infirmity? How long has this child been trying to throw themselves into a fire? And then what did he, he do? He cast the devil out. He dealt with the devil. It's interesting how many times with different things he dealt with the devil. Now, you got to be careful because you start talking like this and people will tend to get in a ditch and think the devil, the devil, and the devil, and they get their mind all on the devil and that will hinder your faith. You're not, your mind needs to be on Jesus. That will help your faith. Your mind, know the devil's real, but our focus cannot be there to walk in success with the Lord. Because he whose mind is kept on the devil, the Lord will just fill him with peace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You ever notice people got their mind on the devil? They lack one thing, at least, and it's peace. Believers, but they shouldn't have to. So you want to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. That's intentional. Especially when the enemy is barking. So notice he gave us power over all these things and nothing shall by any means hurt them, hurt you, but it's within your domain. You can't just exercise that authority everywhere. But with that being said, why did Jesus teach all these things? Why did Jesus teach why did he prepare people for his absence? I bet we can get a clue by his teachings and by the people who traveled with him in their teachings before they left. Peter said this after he had traveled with Jesus. He said, I teach these things to you so that when I leave, this is how you'll think. Jesus said, I'm teaching you a new way to pray, teaching you to do all these things, so that when I'm absent, you might remember that I said these things. In other words, I want you to reprogram your thinking. If you're going to walk in authority, or I'm going to walk in authority, we have to reprogram our thinking, because it's not common to think that a believer has authority. But it is common in Scripture. And so... If we're going to walk in success with God and in transformed life and live in authority, we're going to have to do something with our mind. Turn to 3 John. 3 John, right before the book of Revelation or the book of Job, Jude, I'm sorry, it's one, one chapter. But if we're going to, we have to purpose to do something with our thinking. And I don't mean the day we need to walk in authority. I mean starting today. You should consider this. Is this the truth? Should we be purposeful with our minds? I mean, our spirits are made new in the Lord the day we get saved. We get eternal life way down inside. We just know something changed. The weight of sin is lifted. And... Uh, the Spirit of God is trying to write things and move things, you know, into our hearts so we process life a different way. But we have a part to play. Notice this 3 John 2. Uh, it says this, Beloved, I pray, or literally desire, that you may prosper in all things. All things means everything with God. And when he said prosper in all things, wouldn't uh, wouldn't authority be one area? 
So he's saying there's a key to this. Prosper in all things. This is an interesting verse because if people say, well, you know, you just don't know if God wants you to prosper. We should prove what we believe by what he said, no matter what it's like. You know, being raised with cats. I love cats. You know, and you pet cats, hug them, hold them. They don't like to be hugged, so you have to hold them tight. You know what I mean? And you pet them with one hand on them, holding them, and I'm going to pet you. But one thing about a cat, you know, you rub their hair the wrong way, they don't like that. You ever done that? Feels real good one way. The key to that is when you pet them the wrong way, just turn them around and then keep petting them. And their hair will be right. And sometimes, you know, you preach something and uh, you're rubbing people's hair the wrong way and uh, they don't like it. Then we turn you around and get you thinking a different way. Let's think in line with what God said in His Word. And then when you agree with it, it settles way better. That's why it said receive His Word with meekness. Meek literally means to accept it without argument. We should just go, yeah, that's what God said. Instead of, well, I don't know about that. No, if He said it, turn yourself around and go, Meekness, I'm not going to argue. It, faith comes better that way. Notice, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Here's another translation. Beloved, I pray that you may, it all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Now, some the Scripture is inspired by God. This is somebody who John traveled with Jesus, lived with Him, was called by Him. He was one of the ones that got to go up on the mountain of transfiguration. He was in places, even the other disciples, and he was the one who was inspired by God to put this in Scripture. You think he would have gone against the way Jesus thought? You think he would have been inspired to go against the way Jesus thought? Pray above all things that you may be prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. The English standard says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. As it goes well with your soul. As it goes well with the way you think and process. Here's the international standard. Dear friend, I pray that you are doing well in every way and that you are healthy just as your soul is healthy. Those are, that's an interesting verse. Well, your soul, we know that one of the scriptures, well, there's many, but we know one of the ones about the Lord is our shepherd and Him wanting our souls restored. When you get saved, your spirit instantly gets made new. Your mind does not instantly change. That's why we're to take thoughts captive, not just let things run wild through our mind. 
Let them just dwell there, ponder there. He said, if you do that, you'll be absent of peace. So he said, think on this, think on this, think, and then the peace of God will be with you in Philippians 4. If I don't, and I just let things run wild, then they're going to just uh, create havoc, and I'm just le- got stuff running around in my head. Notice he gave us authority over that. And he said, your life will prosper based on that. We know the scripture in Romans 12 about being renewed in our minds so we can prove and walk in what is good, perfect, and acceptable. And that your life would be transformed. But if I let everything run wild that goes through my mind, or I'm not purposeful to dig new trenches, where, you know what I mean, work at it so that there's new ways of thought, then I am not going to be transformed. But that doesn't mean I'm not loved. Doesn't mean I'm not accepted by God. Doesn't mean He's not for me. Doesn't mean I don't have authority. It's just if I don't do that, my life won't be transformed. It'll stay looking like one of the authors of the New Testament said, you're still carnal and walking like the rest of the world. But weren't they saved? He said, oh yeah, all things are already yours. Everybody okay? So let's read another verse. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, a familiar verse to people, but it will, we'll read it and you may see some things a little bit different. And he's talking about walking in fullness and walking in uh, God's ways here. And there's a key If I don't have the right mentality, my faith will be hindered. I need to think as Jesus says, my Lord. I need to use my imagination. Right? He used mind, or literally the way it reads, imagination is stayed on the Lord. God will keep that person in divine peace because He trusts in Him. There's an element of trusting God in putting your mind purposely on the right thing. There is an element of trusting God when I look at the Scripture and it says, think on these things, not these things. Cast down these thoughts. Take these thoughts captive. There's an element of faith in that. For me to see myself the way God says it is a a faith thing. It's a mental part. It's a heart thing. It's a trust issue. Proverbs 4. We're going to finish up here real quick. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, a familiar verse to many people, I'm sure. But we're going to look at something. And we're talking about authority. I need to see myself as one who has been authorized if the Lord said it. But some people try it and don't realize they've been authorized. They don't see themselves purposefully the way God sees them. Or they try it a little bit, but then they revert back to old ways of thinking. You have to purposely do it. After a while of learning and studying and keeping your mind there, meaning you can accept the truth immediately. But it's purposeful thoughts. Me doing something with my mind. Getting my mind on the right thing. 
that will produce faith and will produce results and victory and walking in this authority. That's why I said you have to have a certain mentality. Notice Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, this is called the book of wisdom. My son, give attention to my words. That's simple. What are you giving your attention to? What are you giving your attention to? In the New Testament, in the King James Bible, there was a word that would, was often used that said, don't give heed, don't give heed, don't give heed, or give heed. Means don't give attention, don't give attention, or give attention. Some things don't deserve your attention. And interesting that they say, don't pay attention, pay attention. Maybe that pay means it costs, takes effort. Pay attention, pay, cost. It costs something, it takes discipline to pay attention. Can't you keep your mind right here, right now, son? They're out the window. No, teach people to pay attention. We have to learn to pay attention. It's a discipline. We're talking about renewing our minds. My son, give some attention. Give attention to my words. Instruction number one. If you want to renew your mind, you got to give attention to his word. If you want to think in line with having authority and being able to use it, you have to give attention to his word. Number two. Everybody say two. That was weak. Everybody say Two. Two. All right. That's better. My son, give attention to my words. Isn't it wild that the news right now is demanding you give attention to their words? Whether they're right or not. And then we can watch TV programs. We should be selective. Give attention to my words. The next thing, incline your ear to my sayings. Once you start hearing things, you have a choice to accept it or not. That's what it means, incline your ear. Accept it or not. See, you can incline your ear to, you can, we're going to incline our ears or hear things in the world just because we're here. But you don't have to incline your ear to it. That means accept it or believe it. Because we're going to hear all kinds of stuff. Right? When you were little, you heard, take out the trash. Some of you heard well, but you didn't incline your ear to the same. You didn't believe it. You didn't accept it. Because you didn't do nothing about it. Some of you are looking way innocent. I perceive there's people watching that are doing the same thing. Serious? Pay attention first. Read it. Look at it. You don't have to do it all day long. But then you incline, you accept it. I mean, because you've got to work, you've got to do other stuff. But then you accept what he said as the highest standard. 
In other words, whatever he says is higher than what the enemy says, what the doctor says, what anybody says. You know, doctors, lawyers, dentists, school teachers, whatever he said is higher. You, you with me? Whatever he said is higher. Now, there's other people who have knowledge. You should accept that knowledge. But when it comes to the Word of God, if, if what's said is contrary, and somebody said, well, what about evolution? What about evolution? God created all things. I'm inclining my ear to his saying. I accept that. If you want peace, you'll accept what he said. If you don't want peace, accept things that are contrary. It's a choice. Well, once I do this, because we're talking about how to walk in authority, how to renew our mind. Then he said after that, number three, do not let them depart from your eyes, before your eyes. This is where people fail. People fail all the way. Some people hear the word. And, the, and it, remember Jesus said, some people hear the word and immediately the enemy comes and takes it because they didn't believe it. They heard it, but they didn't accept it. So the enemy said, that's stupid. And then people went, that's stupid. They didn't accept it. Well, if you don't accept it, you can't keep it before your eyes. You've heard it, but you didn't accept it. But once you hear it, you need to accept it. Then you need to keep it before your eyes. You need to start seeing yourself that way. Picturing Jesus exalted and you in Him. You need to start imagining when you pray, I'm talking to God. When you're walking around, start imagining. Use your imagination. See your, start seeing yourself the way God does. If you do, you will not see yourself as a failure. Because you can do all things through Christ. No, I can't. See, the Word, you, you maybe accepted it, but you're not keeping it before your eyes. Yeah, I can do that. But if you're keeping it before your eyes, you're going to start seeing yourself as one who can do all things. You're going to see, you're going to start picturing greater is He that's in me. And I don't mean once in a while, I mean you're just going to start training yourself to see and picture God's Spirit lives down in me, out of my belly flows rivers of living water. This He spoke of the Spirit. So bigger ones in me. Bigger than the problems. But if I see the problem bigger, His Word has departed from my, before my eyes. I'm now looking at something else. We're talking about training ourselves to renew our mind so we're transformed. Notice this. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the core of your being. In other words, start acting on it. Start acting on the truth. Acting like it. Why did the disciples fail and succeed? Remember Jesus said, I've given you authority. And then He said, let's go cross over the sea. He goes to sleep. A storm comes. They start sinking. They go, you know, the boat's sinking. Jesus is on the boat. They go, wake them up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't you care about us? Who cares if you drowned? Don't you care about us? We're about to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the storm and rebuked them. He did. He rebuked the storm and then he rebuked them. He said, Where is your faith? Where, where is your, where, why didn't you do something? 
Where is your faith in this matter? Okay, I solved it. Now, which, here's the problem. He said, let us pass to the other side. They were no longer, they didn't keep it before their eyes. So they didn't act. All they saw was the problem. They didn't keep it before their eyes and see and picture, we're going to make it. They started picturing the storm. And he said, why did you get full of fear? Because fear is based on our focus. And so they got their focus on the wrong thing. Their mind wasn't being renewed. They weren't going, glory to God, we're going to make it. Because that's how we see it, based on what God said. They let it depart from before their eyes. And they didn't act on it. So they didn't keep it in the midst of their heart. Fear filled their heart. And they went down. And you can go read stories like that where they succeeded and failed on those principles. I'm glad you're here too. Hallelujah. It's a practice. You can't tell me when the storm comes that there's not temptation to focus on it. Or Jesus would have said, don't worry, you won't have be tempted to focus on the storm. But storms and different things made them focus on the wrong thing. Or I shouldn't say made them. They chose. Let's finish up. Notice, do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, choose to see it. People fail because they see themselves failing. Here's the interesting part, but that's not the way God said it. They see themselves as an addict. And at any point I can go off the rails and they see themselves going off the rail. Jesus said, I died, carried that, so you're dead to it. If I saw and let that get in my heart, and saw all the time I'm dead to sin, it's going to change my action. It's going to change how I act. But if it departs from my eyes, I'm going to start seeing myself as an addict. And then God can't make that in my life true. But it's not the way God sees me. It's not the way God sees you. But you have, to, you have to attend to His Word. Incline. Accept. Keep it before your eyes. See yourself that way. And start acting on that way. People fail often because they don't see themselves the way God sees them. Now they've read what God said, but they don't see themselves the way God sees them. That's part of renewing your mind. Me starting to see myself. Yeah, well, God doesn't love me though. Yes, He does. You just let the Word depart from before your eyes. The enemy's trying to take advantage of you. He knows he can get you to sink if you just ill-esteem yourself and don't realize God loves you. You can choose to put your mind on that. Yeah, but you don't know what everybody else has said. Pay attention to His Word. Don't incline your ear to what, and accept what they said. It works in these areas. Keep it before your eyes. I just don't know if he loves me. Stop it. Remember Airplane, the movie Airplane? It's great. A lot of doctrine in there. <laughs> Not Bible doctrine, but there's some stuff in there you can learn from. Remember that one lady started having a panic situation, and then the one person got up and started slapping him, and then somebody else said, move aside, and they started slapping him, and they all went through and slapped Stop it. And I'm not making light. Just saying, we have a choice. 
You could say, well, I just don't believe that. Then you're not accepting what God said. Choose you this day. I just don't believe that. I don't believe what you're preaching. Well, if I'm quoting Scripture, then it's not an issue of me. You don't got an issue with me. You got an issue with His Word. Well, I don't like that. That's okay. You've got an issue not with me. If I'm laying out the truth, and it is the truth, and it's rightly divided, you don't have an issue with me. So don't get mad at me. Take it up with God. The reason you maybe have an issue is because maybe you got stuff planted, and now you're hearing the truth, and your fur is getting brushed the wrong way. Maybe you've wanted more and been saying, God, I need more peace. I'm going to walk in more. And then you're hearing it now, and you're like, I don't like that. Turn yourself around. Grab yourself by the tail and the neck. Start. I mean, hey, it takes work. Like one man said, these things won't fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree, but you can have them. You're in a crowd of people. Listen, this happens. Well, technically, we don't have crowds because we quarantine. But let's say we did have one, and you were there. We've all seen it, or we've all experienced it at some point in our life, or we were there, and everybody's having a party, and you're not. You're just thinking on the problem, and everybody else is like, what? and you're like, you're all spiritually constipated, clogged up because you're thinking on the problem. You shut off the peace of God. You need some spiritual x lax You need to get your mind on the answer. That was probably not the best illustration. How to get that peace flowing. But if your mind is not on the answer, somebody says, well, I just believe it's all up to God. You need to go back and read your Bible. God provides things, but it takes cooperation. From Genesis to maps, that's how it is. You with me? Where are we at? We're just not done. We've gone long. Uh, now she announces we went 20 minutes long. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's been 20 minutes. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't get food to go and, you know. Oh, verse 20. Okay. No, we're 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Hey, when you notice the word departing from your eyes, put it back there. Start thinking on it. Don't try to believe the word. Do the word. Believing is more what you do than what you have. If you know that, it'll free you up because you'll be thinking, I got to read, 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 read. Well, you should read. But it's more what I do with what I read. I need more gas. I need more gas. I need more gas. I got 10,000 gallons of gas, but I can only burn so much. Hallelujah. Meaning, do something with it. Learn to think different. Learn to change the way you think. Do not let them depart from... Now, who did he tell now, 
He'd say, God, don't let them depart from my eyes, God. No, he said, you don't let them depart from your eyes. You give attention to them. You incline your, oh, come on, God, do this. You do this. Not God. You. Notice, keep, you keep them in the midst of your heart or act on the truth. Why? For they are life. That's God's kind of life. To those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. You keep your heart. Right? Didn't the Bible say you establish your heart? The Lord's coming is near. You keep your heart. You do something about what gets in your heart. Why would you want to keep your heart? By this is how you do it. Keep your heart with all diligence. That's diligence. Do you know where to serve the Lord with be fervent in the Spirit and diligent? Diligence. Like if I show up once or twice a week and I work for you, and then I said, hey, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, can you write me a reference? And then the new boss comes and says, are they a diligent worker? Oh yeah, they come twice a week and they work about half the day. Would you think that was diligent? No, oh, diligent. Diligent. We could do this. We could do this. We can get, why? Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life or the parameters of your lifestyle. This is how it reads. 